today on It's Time. Sometimes God does, in fact, give us what we want to show us that that isn't what we need. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, he's going verse by verse through the book of 3rd John. So turn there in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. I've seen God intervene in supernatural ways. I've seen something that I have needed to buy. And as I'm on my way to town to buy it, there's a yard sale. And I'll I'll just stop there and see if they got any junk. One thing nice about yard sales, you get tired of looking at your own junk. You want to go see somebody else's. So you stop there. And there's the very thing I was going to go buy for a nickel. And I go, God, how do you do that? It's because God is big. Now, the thing is, God provides for us because he loves us. And when we find ourselves in a Christian world begging from Gentiles or begging from, some of your Bibles use the word pagan, God doesn't need their help to do his work. God has a way of guiding and providing for all of us according to his love. And God is the multiplier. Hey, I'll tell you, I've been going down the road and swerved around something I saw on the road. And if I hadn't saw that sharp piece of glass, I'd had to buy a tire. God has a way of making up for us in miraculous ways. God can make the washing machine last another five years. God can have a way to make your car last another two years. God provides for us. And so never underestimate the the Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides in the Old Testament. That was one of the names that God was known by. In fact, God revealed himself um, in different names in the Old Testament to show part of his personality to people. But Jehovah Jireh, our provider, God is the one that takes care of us. And so he's saying, you take care of these people that come, you send them on their way, they're a blessing, and you're doing well because you do that. And you're not taking money from the world to do it. Verse 8, we therefore ought to receive such that we may become fellow workers in the truth. Now he's saying, this is the basic way we should live. Understanding, first of all, and if you're not a Christian here today, first of all, you need to be. Second of all, if you're not a Christian, who's your daddy? Because you don't have Jehovah Jireh. You don't have a God that provides for you. And because you don't have that, you're having to fend for yourself. No wonder you steal. No wonder you lie. No wonder you have to identify with sometimes people that aren't too cool to get by. But you know when you have a relationship with God, God provides for us. Always remember, God is the provider for everything you need. And you know what you need? It ain't always money. 
Sometimes it's just that loving Holy Spirit inside of you saying, it's okay, I'll see it through. I got it under control. But God, I'm scared and I don't know if you're going to come through. And God says, relax, I love you, I'll take care of you. And that's the way God works. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not like, it, 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 uh, like a cloud on a mountain. It isn't that cloud is really pushing down on that mountain. No, it just rests on it. It's just there. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Oh, this burden I carry for God. No, really, when you look at it, it's that God carries me. God carries you. That's the big difference. And so this is what makes the difference in our lives. We want to receive those who bless others, and in turn, those will receive us. You give what you get. Well, verse 9, it changes gears here a little bit, because we have Gaius, this great brother in the Lord. In fact, we end this chapter with another great brother in the Lord, but right now he addresses a problem that's in the church. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diophanes who loves to have the preeminence among them does not receive it. Imagine John, the beloved disciples, and this guy, Diophanes, will not receive John's letter nor let it be read to the church. Wow. Who does this guy think he is? Well, pride is in this man. It's the same pride that was in Satan. It says, I'll ascend and be as the most high God in Isaiah chapter 14. So we we find that pride is at the root of all sin. It's, hey, it's me. Hey, listen, he went and was trying to take the preeminence. It's all about him. Now, usually people that are like this are very, they have inferiority complexes, and that's why they try to be the big person. But when you realize that we are sent by God, God's behind us, and so really you can bang, you can beat, you can chew on us as Christians all you want, but if God has established you to be in a place, have at it because you're still going to be there if you walk in faith. Preeminence, a person that wants preeminence thinks it's all about them. They're the center of the spotlight. They're all those things. Therefore, verse 10 If I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does. Pratting, uh, this word pratting is an interesting word. It's gossiping or bloviating. It comes from a Greek word when you boil water. Now, this is a weird thing. When you boil water and the bubbles come up, the bubbles are the pratting, Um, the burping. Let me read this. Therefore, when I come, I'll call to mind the deeds which he does, burping against us. That's kind of an interesting word, isn't it? Bubbles. Nothing really to it. It's just gossip. That's what they do. That's all they can do. Why? Because they want to be the preeminent one. In other words, if I can put everybody else down, I'm somebody. Well, that's a dangerous place to be. Somebody told me one time, there's two things that will wear a mount out. Running upstairs and running down people. I agree. Now, sometimes 
we have to let people know if somebody's doing something that's hurting other people. And in this particular case, this guy was. He was loving to have the preeminence by not letting anybody else even share. He would not receive the ministers that were coming that that uh, uh, Gaius was supporting and the people around him were supporting. And, and so he wouldn't let them come. And if anybody was to receive one of these ministers that would come to minister, Diophanes would kick him out of the church. This guy was one bad dude. And so it says, prodding against us with malicious words. And generally speaking, gossip is malicious. It really says really mean things about other people. And that person's not there to defend themselves. And so it is really wicked stuff. And not content with, um, not, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to do so, putting them out of the church. As I said earlier, these people that would come to minister uh, because he didn't want anybody else there in the church, he would put them out. They usually do this in the name of I'm cleansing the church. And in fact, all they are is puffing themselves up. Verse 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but rather what is good. He who does good is of God. And he who does evil has not seen God. You know, it's interesting to me that we emulate a lot of times what we see. I I think that's why the Bible tells us to be very careful what we place before our eyes. I think if, if, um, if we see God, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for uh, they will see God. And, and I be, uh, pure in heart means undiluted, not looking many different directions, but just looking at him, you'll see God. And God reveals himself to us. But, you know, if we're filling our minds and our thoughts with a lot of stuff that comes from Hollywood, we can begin to, rather than seeing God, we begin to see the way the world acts and we can cop those attitudes. Even as a Christian, we need to be very careful of that. So he says, again, those who do good is of God, but those who do evil have not seen God. In other words, you're presenting, as you read your Bible, God shows you who he is. That's a really good thing. Now we find here in verse 12, another good saint, Demetrius, has a good testimony from all and from the truth itself. And we also bear witness that you know that our testimony is true. Again, Demetrius was a good guy, always sharing gospel. Didn't mean he was perfect. And I think that's important. If you look in the original language, it it comes across that he wasn't perfect, but uh, he was always consistent. He was always consistent. Through the mud, the blood, the tears, and all that, he was always consistent in his love for God. There There was never a wavering. Didn't always do things right, but again, He was somebody that was consistent in his love for God. And I think that's so important for all of us, that we're consistent. There's just a a, a balanced part of our life that just says, well, no matter what happens, I'm going to keep loving God. Verse 13. And I have many other things to write, but I wish, but I do not wish to write them with to you in pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly. And we shall speak face to face. Peace to you 
Our friends greet you and greet friends by name. I like that. Greet friends by name. You ever, you ever notice that? You know, Jesus did that. He's walking along the road, this little tax collector guy. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked tax collectors. They don't like them today, by the way. Um, anyway, this little guy named Zacchaeus. And a short stature, the Bible says. And he was trying to see Jesus. And because he was short, he didn't know what to do. So he climbs up into a tree and he's hanging out of the tree. Now, tax collectors in those days, like many people today that have wealth, like to flaunt it. They have the fancier clothes. They have the nicer cars, these kinds of things. And so he, he no doubt, was probably very brightly dressed he climbs up into a sycamore tree and he's looking out. And Jesus is walking along and he looks up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. I must eat dinner at your house tonight. Well, I'm surprised Zacchaeus didn't fall out of the tree. The reason why? He knew him by name. Why is that? Because it's nice when somebody remembers who you are. Now, I may not always remember everybody's name, and sometimes I don't even know mine. But I want you to know something. I don't forget faces. And that's one of the good things we always want to remember, to show that benevolent love towards people and to really bring them in. By name means that they're, they're part of your family. You, you know them. You recognize who they are. That's such a good thing. And by the way, Zacchaeus... When Jesus ate with him, salvation came to that house. He said, Lord, if I've ripped anybody off, I'll pay him back fourfold. I imagine he had a great reduction in his savings that night as he made that declaration that he was going to pay back those he'd ripped off, which was notorious for tax collectors to do. And the, the, the Jewish people didn't like Tax collectors, they viewed them as traitors because they were generally Jewish people who sold out to the Roman government to know how much money, based upon the culture, they could extract from their fellow countrymen. And yet Jesus felt not out of line at all to go eat with him at his house and knew his name. Today I want you to know something. God knows your name. God's never forgotten who you are. He's always known who you are. He's the one that made you. He puts you on this earth for a specific purpose. And you know, I have found that even as a Christian, not just before we're saved, but even as a Christian, I need to ask God, God, what do you want me to do for you? Now, when we become a Christian, what we basically do is the Bible says we ask Jesus to forgive our sins. That restores the fellowship that was lost in the garden. That sin, that rebellion. We're born in sin, the Bible says. Sinning doesn't make you a sinner. Always remember that. Sinning proves what you are. I am amazed when I watch my children, that old sin nature is there. I have never looked at my kids and said, okay, be selfish. Now be selfish. Say it's all mine, all mine. They got that down. I don't know where they got it, but they got it down good. The second thing I've known about the old sin nature is it wants what it wants. Okay, 
sass me. Now, let's learn how to sass. Now, I'll tell you to do something, and you go, no, and stomp your feet. Oh, you got it down so well. I never taught him that. Yesterday, I watched my two kids. They got lots of little toys and things like that. A little rubber fish. There's two of them. A blue one and a pink one. Well, my little boy wanted the blue one, but his sister had it. I go, here's the pink one. I don't want the pink one. No. See, that's, I, try, I teach him that. No, you want the blue one. Take the blue one. Take it from your sister's hand right now. And they get in this fight. And I go, give me that. And I'm amazed. It's simply what the old sin nature is. But when we get bigger, we just get better at masking it. Isn't that amazing? When we become born again, we say, Lord, forgive me of me wanting the blue fish. And from this day forward, I want what you want me to have. You know what I found sometimes? God will go ahead and give us the blue fish. And you know why he gives us the blue fish? Just to show us that ain't what we wanted. And what we needed. God's good. Sometimes God does, in fact, give us what we want to show us that that isn't what we need. What we need is him. Jesus said, and really people have asked the question, well, where does the sinner's prayer come from in the Bible? Well, it's a combination of of a, a, a lot of different prayers and things that are said in the Bible. But primarily based upon the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, until you're born again, God is not your Father. You're estranged. And it said, Hallowed be thy name. Well, a person that's not born again doesn't praise God. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the last thing a non-regenerated, a non-born again person says, is God, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm surrendering my will to you. Why? Because it's all about me. My kingdom come, my will be done. Well, that's the problem. And we do those things thinking it's going to make us change us, cause a satisfaction in our soul, only to find that it still isn't there. But when we go about our Father's business, God says, now you're living why you were put on this earth and the reward that you will have forever. And we go, wow. So God, how do I get the communication line restored? The Bible says sin blocks that relationship. Now, it's basically that old sin nature that says, I'm going to do what I want to do. We say, okay, God, I come to you. I lay that down. Jesus said, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. We ask God into our life. We ask Jesus to take away our sins. For this reason, Christ died. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus forgives our sin. And now I'm his child. Now I can praise him. Now I can say our father, because he is my father, and he's your father, which makes us all his kids. And I can be about my daddy's business, because I can say, Lord, this is what I want to do. Help me not get grudges against people that have sinned against me. That's easy to do. In fact, if you don't bring that one under control, you'll start hating people as a, even as a Christian. Well, I've seen what other Christians have done to me. and rah, 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 rah. Yeah, I know. I've had that happen to me too. 
A lot of people say there's something that they're not, and on judgment day, God will separate the sheep from the goats, and you'll be surprised a lot of the goats are goats. <laughs> and letting God be God, and you can be about your dad's business, and you'll have a life of fulfillment. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you're distant from God. You know you have to make some changes in your life, but you don't know what to do. And you're tired of going around to all your screwball drunk friends, asking them for advice. I got some great news for you today. There's a God in heaven who loves you, who will change your life if you let him. Well, what will God change me into? I don't know. Not a frog. He'll change you into what he wants you to be. And the only thing that was ever designed by God in you to be, and by the way, you, me, we never make who we are. We discover who we are. Always remember that. That's why one person can pick up a guitar and without any lessons at all start playing. You didn't learn how to play the guitar. It was some gift in you. You discover who you are. And that's part of what God does. He reveals who you are for his purpose because he put you on this planet. You are not a cosmic mistake. You are beloved. As we started, this, started the message this morning. And when you're recognized that you're beloved, you go, okay, God, what do you want me to do for you? I'll let go of the bluefish. I'll be about your business. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. Short prayer. But it's where you turn your life over to him. And I've had people say that, how can just praying a little prayer change my life? Isn't that weird? Well, a lot of things happen that way. How can you sitting down at a table with a pen laying there, just a little pen, and you write your name on a piece of paper and everything changes? You say, well, what's that? You just signed away the deed to your house. You just signed away the, the pink slip of your car. You, you see, sometimes we think that it's a grand monumentous thing that changes. What it does, it's a willingness where we do something. And when we pray, even though it seems simple, God takes it very serious as we should take it serious and say, okay, God, from day, this day forward, it's yours. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. His blood covered my sins. And I'm new in you today. I know you love me. And so from this day forward, I want to do your will. Show me what you want. Open and close the doors in my life to direct me where you want me to be. Lord, I know you'll be faithful. And I know you're going to take me to heaven someday. And so while I'm here, may I do the best I can do for you. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Change my heart and change my life. I repent of the silly way that I have lived. And so I commit the rest of my life into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program, 
or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.